بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد Since this is the month of Ramadan and we want to become just that much closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala one is you can do it with just this increased worship that people do in Ramadan when Ramadan comes in people are generally uh, they feel much more righteous they feel much more closer to Allah they feel less inclined to want to do sins and thus they start doing a bit more now mashallah that works it gives us an, in, an increase and a enhancement of our iman what we want though over and beyond that is a long-term change is long-term adjustment and we want to then be set on a path that has been much better than we've ever been on to continue even after Ramadan so the whole point is that it's not just in Ramadan that we have this spike of good deeds and it's just a spike and it comes back down but rather that whatever we do during this month it's long term it's maintained it actually changes our inside as opposed to just something we add on for a while and then it goes back out that would be wonderful and that's I think is the purpose of Ramadan because it says and one of the things that is very uh, interesting is that if you think about it if there was no Ramadan then we would become way more stagnant just look at ourselves as to what we're doing that we were not doing last week and that we probably wouldn't have done if it wasn't for Ramadan I mean just look at all of the things that we will be doing in Ramadan we're already doing intending to do and will be doing inshallah that we would not have done if it wasn't Ramadan so imagine if there was Ramadan only every five years we'd be in much worse, worse shape it's Ramadan that keeps us going and all of these other moments that we have where we get a bit better because it gives us an example and it gives us an excuse and the other benefit of it is that it actually <clears throat> you just feel better shaitan is not in the picture you just have less distraction right you just have less distraction we just have to then kick the bad habits that we have so in that regard um, what helps a lot is to understand the Quran and Sunnah about various traits that we have various blameworthy traits and how to remove them to understand that from a religious perspective so that we can focus on that and any any change inshallah that we make during Ramadan we expect that there's going to be barakah and blessing in it it's also a time inshallah where we can ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us this change now there are numerous things that we could be doing that are wrong but we don't realize I don't mean just complete haram blatant acts of uh, 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 sin but also bad habits approach to things that's probably what it is right an approach to something we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to soften our hearts during this month of Ramadan and assist us and help us in that regard one of the things that I want to cover today among the many many things there are one of the things that I want to mention is something that we can all relate to but we don't realize it's an issue right Al-Huzn fi amri dunya Huzn fi amri dunya what that means is grief over a worldly matter grief over a worldly matter something 
unfavorable happens and we get grieved and we get depressed some people stop doing everything they stop praying because of this it's a worldly matter and they stop praying so how are we supposed to approach grief how are we supposed to deal with grief now I'm not talking about from a purely psychological perspective you know where if you went to one of these self-help courses they would tell you about those things talking about from a religious perspective which even ends up being psychological because when you understand what Allah wants from us how Allah wants us to act in those kind of situations then inshallah it'll be of benefit so grief over a worldly matter what is it first let's try to diagnose it is to feel pain and sorrow for not attaining some kind of material blessing you didn't get something that you were hoping to get or you don't have something that somebody else has and the jealousy aspect comes in there as well somebody else is mashallah got a nice house in a nice area nice job lots of money good bank balance car position looks nice handbag they go on, mashallah, holidays all the time. Or mashallah, they are a big scholar. They have a big following. All of these kind of things. And we don't have it. So you feel grief over it. Grief. This also entails becoming elated over their attainment and plentitude. Similar kind of thing is that if you do get worldly things, then you get really excited. Not to say you shouldn't make shukr, but you get excited in a sense that this is all that I'm living for. That kind of excitement. Otherwise, being excited over things you get, there's nothing wrong with that, as long as you're making shukr and as long as you understand what they are. But it's about getting so excited that, oh, this is it. I'm the luckiest man in the world. I've got nothing to worry about now. And yet, our salats are being missed and so on and so forth. Okay, so that's how you diagnose it. That's the description of it. Where does it come from? Why does it come about? This iniquity, this wrong, stems from love of this world. Love of this world is a tough thing to deal with. But it comes from love of this world. It's the same thing. And expecting attainment of all of one's aims. And continuation of all of one's blessings which which is pure ignorance they haven't understood the nature of the world you know personally speaking uh, since i focused on the nature of the world and the dua inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun setbacks became a bit easier to deal with Everything in this world, from this phone, to this iPad, to this microphone, to this carpet, the windows, the AC, to our own selves, eventually all go into depletion, expiration, death, fana, annihilation, everything. That's the nature of the world. Yes, some things last a bit more than others cheaper things last less you expect that's about it but otherwise everything gets worn out 
everything gets depleted in some sense or the other. That's the nature of the world. Once you start understanding that, then for example, let's just say that somebody was supposed to come with you or supposed to invite you and they didn't invite you. you know, it doesn't matter anymore. It's the nature of the world. Why am I investing so much in this relationship? That if they didn't invite me, for whatever reason, it could have been numerous reasons, that I am going to start taking it in the most negative way. I'm going to think the worst of things, not the best of things, and I'm going to aggravate, aggravate myself. For what? That's why the awliya Allah who really zoned into this and really focused this and really imbued this within their whole world view, they don't get perturbed about anything. No problem. This is what Imam Ghazali, if you read his work, Bidayatul Hida, this is what he tries to tell you the same thing. Don't expect, only expect from Allah. Don't expect from anybody else. It's the nature of the world. People change. There's so many variables in the world. There's just so many variables in the world. Why should they all fall in conformance to your desires? Who are you? Who are we? That everything out of the the multiple, the billions of things that have to come together to make a scenario for us to live in. Everything. You know, the weather, from the weather to the roads to people to everything. All of that has to come together to our benefit. Who are we that it always has to be to our favor? When it's not to our favor, we just have to the nature of the world. That helps a lot. One should instead direct himself towards the immortal good deeds. Those deeds that will give you something at the end of it. <clears throat> the baqiyatu salihat, you call them. The baqiyatu salihat. The immortal good deeds. Baqi means that will endure forever. Salihat, righteous. The righteous good deeds. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that so that you grieve not over your losses nor exult over what you attain. لِكَيْ لَا تَفْرَحُوا بِمَا آتَاكُمْ وَلَا لِكَيْ لَا تَحْزَنُوا عَلَى مَا فَاتَكُمْ وَلَا تَفْرَحُوا بِمَا آتَاكُمْ All of these things, you know, everything that has been written for you will come to you. And anything that hasn't been written, regardless of how much you try, it won't come to you. But we do have to try because we don't know that it's written that it's not going to come to you. A lot of people, they get confused here. If it's written that it's not going to come to you, why bother trying? Because you know what's written to come to you and what's written to not to come to you? It's all written based on what you're going to do and not do. That's the part people miss. So they get really confused about this. And immediately the question comes, so what's the point of doing well? Well... Everything is going to come to you or not come to you. It's not like you're just going to sit back and you're just going to, going to keep... Yeah, there'll be some things that will come to you like that. But Allah knows that that's what you are going to do. So only some things will come to you. But the more you try, as you see in the world, when you do try things, people, you do get things. But there will be things you don't get even after trying your hardest. Because this is not your world. You don't control everything. Allah has a different plan because He has to look after everybody. And if he gave you that as well, that's going to be problematic for you. So know that Allah Nahlawi mentions that if grief takes one 
takes a person from patience to restlessness. You start feeling restless all the time. You are having sleepless nights. Look, I know losing a job is a bad thing. I know, I understand that. Right? Allah save us. Right? Losing a job is a bad thing. But it's not the end of the world. And having restless nights over it is not helpful. But I know that's very easy to say, but very easy, difficult to do for some people. But if you do know that I must just try for another one, this isn't going to benefit me for being restless at night, then at least we will try to avoid that. That's the benefit, isn't it? So, know that if grief takes over you, if, if it takes you from patience to restlessness, you're not patient, you're being restless. Or if exaltation takes one from gratitude to transgression and haughtiness, that when you do get something, you get so excited about it, that it takes you from rather being grateful to being transgressor and haughty and arrogant, getting so excited about what you have, then these two emotions themselves are unlawful. That restlessness is unlawful. No, you're committing a haram by doing that. We never thought about it, did we, like that? That's, you know, when you feel very overly perturbed about something, do you think that's a haram sentiment? You never thought of it, you thought it's just a natural sentiment. But the reason it's unlawful is because it's not how a believer should be. Or if somebody gets arrogant and haughty over what they've been given, and they don't thank Allah, then again, that's, a, we, we, that, that, that's better understood as being haram anyway. Right? That everybody will understand that. But the first one, nobody will understand that. See, now we've just refined our understanding of how to deal with difficulties. So the next difficulty, may Allah protect us, or may Allah grant us afiyah, but there will be some kind of setback that occurs. We at least know how to deal with it. And then those setbacks are not difficult. Ten years ago, five years ago, last year, we would have cried over this. We would have been a wreck. We would have stayed in our house. We would have stopped talking to people. We may have stopped praying. But now, inshallah, that will not, that will not happen. Having said that, kamal and spiritual perfection entails that attaining worldly matters and losing them should be equivalent to a person. Now, that's a very high stage. Whether I have it or not, it's the same for me. I'm not saying we start from that. Because that's a very high state. You know, when somebody becomes so connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then they are just satisfied with however Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps them. This is the station, that's a high spiritual station, they call it, of wholehearted. That's when you, when, when you have what they call taslim. You're fully submitted. Full taslim station. And the consignments of matters to Allah. Tafweed. These are very high station, uh, stations. That you know, even when you're in a um, difficulty, you don't even ask Allah to remove it. Say, Oh Allah, you know, you're, you're watching me. You're the one who sent this. I leave it to you whenever you want to keep me like this. Whether it's illness, whether it's some other kind of struggle. This is what Ayyub did. That's what you call tafweed. That's a high status than sabr. Sabr and patience is to bear it, but ask Allah for removal. The higher level is patience and not even ask Allah for removal, but tafweed, leave it to Allah. Again, as I said, that it's not something you want to hope for uh, in, in the first level because it will seem unattainable. 
what are the spiritual immortal good deeds that we should be focused on they are things like salat an enhanced prayer which is, has huge benefits reciting quran making remembrance of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala however it's not just that those are known it's not just that it is also routine activities of a believer if you perform them with a noble intention pure intention is an elixir that transforms the mundane into the sacred a, a believer's intention is extremely powerful you can only have that, uh, that intention if you understand that this is a way to do it if you don't know that that's a way to do it and if I intend this I'll get more out of this in the world do you get anything through intention on intention alone you do an act for somebody whether you had a good intention or bad intention they're just gonna look at the act yes they look at your body language but somebody can have very very respectful body language but very insincere inside you, know, you, you can have that but with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the deed is primarily rewarded on intention it's not the outer form the outer form is just proof that we're doing something we're not just sitting back and saying intention but no act because you have to remember you can't have intention without act it says actions are according to intention so when the intention of a believer is very powerful it's an intention that's done for an act if you don't even do the act you just have a great intention have a good heart that's not enough it's not a good heart it's not doing anything so when such a believer eats a meal smiles at a friend the smiling of a sahabi at somebody is going to be different from our smiling I mean, right? that, that's why they get more reward because they've tuned their iman to such a degree that anything they produce even if they don't produce a lot it's much more powerful than the abundance that we could produce because of the intention you know what's in their mind and why they're doing it the greatness of Allah that's in their mind the absolute servitude and their position that they recognize they have that in some huge way we don't have that in that at that level so that is what turns a deed into a bigger deed when such a believer eats a meal smiles at a friend engages in his profession halal profession or spends time with their family he does so with a conscious intention of doing so for the sake of Allah according to the prophetic way and with the hope of great reward thereby transforming these routines into immortal good deeds but they have to be done in a certain way with a certain framework which we're trying to rectify here it's like why are you doing them of course they have to be done they can't be a haram right they have to be as avoiding of all of those things is possible as well and then they're just a worldly thing but you have got an intention of why you're doing it I'm doing it because I'm spending on my family because uh, that's what God has put me responsible he's made me responsible for it and the Prophet said that some of the best sadaqah you can give is to your family spending on your family right? that makes it 
helps to remove miserliness. But then it should be done according to the sunnah in the sense that it shouldn't become israf. It should not become extravagance. It should not be such that you then give your family so much that they just become arrogant, complacent with those things. So it has to be according to the sunnah, of course. And you can only get the sunnah mean and um, median in anything is if you know more about the sunnah and we know the pitfalls as we've just learned today. That's why more and more reading and knowledge and learning helps us to refine ourselves. Unfortunately, this kind of stuff is not dealt with in the public speeches that people generally give. Because they're generally talking about big issues that people are dealing with. Not the subtle. These are subtle issues. Dealing with grief is a subtle issue. Ibn Ata'illah says that nothing you seek through your Lord proves difficult. And nothing you seek through yourself proves easy. Shaykh al-Islam Abdullah al-Sharqawi he elucidates this saying that while being cognizant of your Lord as you seek your aim while recognizing your Lord keeping in him in mind while you seek your aim and having presence of heart with him and relying on him to facilitate the aim and the other state is while being inattentive to him and relying on your own abilities and talents. How do you tell the difference between that? Scholars say that the sign of the, the first one, which is to seek everything through Allah, right, is that non-attachment to the aim while seeking it. You're seeking it, but you're not attached to it, emotionally attached. You want that business, you want that contract, right? You want that place, you want that marriage, you want that business, you want that car, you want that degree. But you're not so attached to it that it's your whole life, right? You want it, so you have to want something to get it, otherwise you lose ambition. But you're doing it while asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and full trust in Allah and thus if you don't get it, it's understandable. It'll give you something else. So, non-attachment to the aim while seeking it, coupled with indifference and not feeling disappointed or grieving if it is not attained. Now, think about it. If, you, if we change our perspective to this, will it make any difference in terms of what we're going to go for or what we're not going to go for. It's not going to make any difference there. We're still going to go for whatever we're going to go for. Life is still going to be the same in terms of what we gain or not gain. But you know one of the things that will come from this is that you won't feel grieved if you lose something. This way doesn't tell you you must lose things. It just tells you how to react when you do lose something. You just have a better, you just have a better life. No brainer. Why not? But first detach, then reconnect for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's just an easier life, no, preter no, 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 no difficulty. While, that, uh, while the, the second situation where you get something for yourself only without Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being part of it is with the latter there's going to be full of avarice and covetousness, which means extreme greed for the aim while seeking it. Coupled with dissatisfaction 
frustration or sadness if it is not attained. Just because you really want something and you've got emotionally att attached to it, does that mean you're going to get it? No more than if you did it for the sake of Allah. So in terms of getting something or trying to get something, it's the same thing. Except that in one, you will feel no frustration and you'll have barakah. And in the other one, you'll feel frustrated and have no barakah. Ibn Abbad says that whoever fulfills his needs through Allah and seeks refuge in him and relies on him in all of his affairs without exception, Allah suffices him in every hardship and brings near to him every distant aim and facilitates for him every challenge. But whoever, and that, that doesn't mean that you'll get everything you want, but you will be satisfied at the end of it even if you don't get it because Allah will give you something else. What a beautiful life. That is what Allah calls Hayatan Tayyibah in the Quran, the excellent life. But whoever seeks repose in his own knowledge and intellect, <clears throat> whoever seeks repose in his own knowledge and intellect and depends on his own strength and ab ability, without thinking, you have to depend on your strength and ability, but not exclusively. Allah entrusts him to his own self and forsakes him. He says, okay, fine, you do it then. I leave you to the factors of the world and the challenges of the world. Let's see how well you do. <clears throat> he then forsakes him. He abandons him and forbids his, him his enablement. He doesn't give him his tawfiq to succeed and neglects him. So he does not achieve his aims and his goals are not facilitated. doesn't mean that you won't get what you want. Don't get that wrong. If you go after something and you don't care about Allah, you just do it. You may get it. But you won't have the satisfaction in it. You won't get the fulfillment in the same way. Something will bother you. This principle is known with absolute certainty from both scripture and experience. What Ibn Atayullah said earlier, that um, whenever you try to do something for Allah, and you'll get it, and otherwise, you know, the, the, those, that statement. He says, it's a very general statement and encompasses every aim, whether spiritual or worldly. <clears throat> the most noble of all aims and that which has the most hurdles and obstacles is for the aspirant, the seeker for Allah, the seeker of Allah, to tread the path of experiencing divine oneness. So for that, conjoining one's heart to Allah is most deserving and most correct. There's no way you can get to Allah without connecting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you can't connect to Allah just at small times like in Ramadan only or only on Fridays or only at Salat times. But the most connected to Allah is the one who's constantly connected to Allah in every deed that he's doing. Which is just that he's always remembering Allah. You know, there could be an auntie of yours. When she makes a certain type of biscuit, she sends it to you because she knows you like that. I'm sure everybody's got an auntie like that or something like that, right? May Allah bless those aunties. They give you something or they think about you. They go for Umrah, they bring you something. Why? So you are part of their, you're part of, you're in their heart. Simple as that. That's why you're there. Otherwise, they've got other things to think about. There's so many other people that they could have made it for or brought it for. They don't. Through you. Likewise, we have Allah in our heart all the time. So we are thinking about Him. 
for, to our own benefits. We're not giving him anything. It's the other way around. It's so easy, but yet humans don't do it. And Allah loves us so much that he makes it so easy, but we're just so distracted. <clears throat> this place was given to us. And it's a big task. Now, if I am to try to think I can do this by myself, then I'll be very frustrated. My intention should be, may Allah make it easy for us, that look, we want to do this for Allah to start with. And we're going to try our best. But we can only ask Allah for divine success and guidance. How far this will go. You see, many other places that were started off and until today they are producing. Madrasas, schools, other places like that. Others, unfortunately, they, went, they, they don't have the same benefit anymore. So something that's done with good intention, good effort, left to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We put what we can, we leave the rest to Allah, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will inshallah help. And the help comes in amazing ways. That's the most wonderful thing. Once you know you've, you start experiencing that, it makes it easier. Then suddenly there's a difficulty to, for Allah to test you. And that's where you have to be very careful. Because if you lose there, you could just lose all of the favors that were supposed to come in the next, you know, next several months. So difficulties will come. We try our best. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a hayatan tayyibah. اللهم أنت السلام ومنك السلام تباركت يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا وعافنا واهدنا وارزقنا اللهم اغفر لنا ولوالدينا ولمشائخنا ولأساتذتنا ولطلابنا ولأزواجنا ولأولادنا ولإخواننا ولأخواتنا ولأصدقائنا ولأقاربنا ولكل من له حق علينا ولكل من أوصانا بالدعاء اللهم ارحمهم وعافهم وعف عنهم اللهم اغفر لموتانا المسلمين الذين شهدونك بالوحدانية وماتوا على ذلك اللهم اغفر للمسلمين والمسلمات والمؤمنين والمؤمنات الأحياء منهم والأموات Oh Allah, we ask you for complete forgiveness from our sins Oh Allah, this month of Ramadan we want the blessings that is surrounding Oh Allah, the storm of blessing and mercy we want to be drenched in it Oh Allah, we ask you for a full portion of this, mess uh, this blessing Oh Allah, do not make us of the deprived ones O oh Allah, there are many, many that you will shower your bounties upon during this month, that you will write to be freed from hellfire. You will write them to have entered Jannatul Firdaus. O oh Allah, don't make us of those who will be left out. O oh Allah, don't make us of those who will be deprived. Allow us to take the full benefit of this month. O oh Allah, make this month better than any month before it. O oh Allah, not only allow us to do extra good deeds, but allow us to change our whole approach to our faith and make it more positive and more enhanced. O oh Allah, make us more discerning and understanding. O oh Allah, grant us the understanding of your awliya. O oh Allah, grant us the understanding of those scholars who are close to you. O oh Allah, grant us that kind of understanding. Grant us that kind of approach to our faith. O oh Allah, we ask you to fulfill our permissible needs. And O oh Allah, we ask that you 
allow us to keep you in mind all the time. Oh Allah, that you make your obedience beloved in our heart and your, hate, your, your disobedience hated in our heart. Oh Allah, this is a time when the shayateen are locked up. Oh Allah, the things that we are contending with right now are our habits, our habitual sins. We ask that you give us control over our nafs and allow us to tame our nafs and make our nafs a nafs al-mutma'inna instead of being a nafs al-ammara bisu. Oh Allah, <clears throat> there are so many challenges out there. There are so many difficulties out there. There are so many tests and trials out there. So many people are losing their faith. So many people are becoming weaker in their faith. Oh Allah, we ask that you grant us strength in our faith. You make us fully connected to you. You remove all of the difficulties and obstacles in our path to you. Oh Allah, that you grant us Jannatul Firdaus in the hereafter. And you make our actions worthy of that in this world. Oh Allah, all the projects that we have. Oh Allah, all of the good things that we may want to do. Oh Allah. Grant us acceptance, grant us sincerity, grant us barakah and blessing, or grant us ease and facilitation. O oh Allah, accept us all, everyone here, those who are listening. O oh Allah, accept us all for the service of your deen. O oh Allah, accept us all for the service of your deen. Allow this month of Ramadan to pass. To pass with its great barakat and blessing, for it to be easy for us, the fasting to be easy and full of blessing. And O oh Allah, for our entire families. O oh Allah, anybody. O oh Allah, those who are here, O oh Allah, do not let them return without being forgiven. Do not let them return without being forgiven. O oh Allah, and allow us to take the great bounties and your gentleness, your blessings that are being showered day in and day out during this month. O oh Allah, allow us to continue with it even after the month of Ramadan. Make this the best Ramadan we've ever experienced. Make it the Ramadan in which we've been the closest to you. And O oh Allah, then keep us close. O oh Allah, keep us close. O oh Allah, keep us close. And O oh Allah, we ask you to send your abundant blessings on our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and that you grant us his company in the hereafter. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon wa salamun ala al-mursaleen walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.